Welcome to the Housing Matters Podcast, brought to you by the California Association of Realtors and the Center for California Real Estate. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another Housing Matters podcast. My name is Oscar Way. I'm the Deputy Chief Economist at the California Association of Realtors. Now, you might be wondering, why am I the one in me doing the introduction today? Usually, it's our Chief Economist, Jordan Levine. Um, set to tell you that he's not joining us today, but hey, don't worry. I have. Uh, it's not going to be just my voice today. I have another special guest today uh, to join us to talk about the housing market. Um, and uh, today I have the pleasure to uh, talk to uh, Dr. Jessica Lutz, um, whom you might have heard um, her talk at our REI Reimagine about a month ago. And we talked about the consumer behaviors and we talked a lot about you know housing market about a month ago. But at that session, we only have like maybe about 45 minutes and we limited Jessica's time to only about 10, 15 minutes. So I figured... I want to talk to Jessica a little bit more. I want to know more about consumers. So today I'm inviting her to our podcast to uh, maybe dig deeper into our consumer behaviors. And so um, let's get into it. But well, before that, let me introduce Jessica, um, give her give you a little bit of background in case you did not go to the REI, which you probably should rewatch if you haven't. Uh, but Jessica is the Vice President of Demographics and Behavioral Insights at NAR. Um, the core of her research focuses on analyzing trends for both NAR members and uh, housing consumers. And through all the surveys, uh, focus groups, and data analysis, she presents new and innovative ways to showcase results. And she discussed research findings in major media outlets and international presentations. And in 2021, Jessica was named one of Housing Wire's Women of Influence, a list representing 100 of the most influential women in leadership in the housing industry. And she also volunteers in Nottingham Trent University as an industry fellow, mentoring real estate graduate students. Jessica received her doctorate of real estate from Nottingham Trent University at UK in UK, and she also holds a master's in public policy from American University and undergraduate degrees in political science and law and justice from Central Washington University. Welcome, Jessica. Thank you so much, Oscar. That was a really nice intro. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you coming on. I know you just had the NAR meeting um, and uh, you know still trying to adjust to the time time uh, the time zone. Um, but uh, it's really great to have you on here. Uh, I have a lot of questions to ask you that I didn't get a chance to ask you, you know, uh, a month ago. So uh, it is a pleasure to be ha- to have you here. Um, yeah, I, I got a sneak peek of your questions and I'm like really excited to dive in, <laughs> but also very intimidated because you have a lot of questions. So I, I do have a lot of questions. And uh, before we jump onto those questions, and I, I, I want to say this, you know, some many of those questions are related to you know so many of the surveys and survey research that you have done you know in the past year past two years or so and one of the reports that you just released or NAR just released is the um, housing uh, the home buyers and sellers uh, report that you guys release every single year and uh, I know we may not be able to cover all those questions but if you don't mind um, letting us know just right now and then of course at the end. Uh, let us know where you may be able to get or where members may be able to get those uh, that report. That'll be great because if they want more detail, 
you can jump on it and, um, you know, right after this, uh, the session. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we're going to dive into, I think of many of the questions into our 40th edition of wow. the profile of home buyers and sellers. Yeah. We've been doing it since 1981. Um, pretty incredible. You can actually grab that report on nar.realtor. It's in the realtor store. It's in the research research section um, of the website. And you can actually download it for free right now. So it's under right tools right now. It's absolutely free to members. So definitely encourage, as long as you have your nerds number, you're good to go. Perfect. Well, I've I've, looked, I've uh, uh, read the report uh, many times, like this year or last year's report. Um, and I always find a lot of good information from the NAR report. So, you know, for, for anyone who's listening, definitely, you know, for members who's listening, definitely use your nurse ID number and uh, check it out because there's a lot of good information in there. Now, of course, I think in the report we've talked, you, you've talked a lot about um, probably about what's going on in the last couple of years with the pandemic. Um, safe to say, um, this year and last year's compared to the pre-pandemic level, it's very, very different. Yeah, it is. I mean, there a lot of the activity this year, it was driven by the, the desire truly to have your family close to you, to be close to friends and family. The pandemic has changed people's priorities. And that is one of the big findings is it's the number one motivator to actually sell a home. Um, and it's coupled with the need for more space. People mm-hmm. absolutely are working from home. They don't have to be tied to the city center where they're working anymore. And that's opening up some affordability. But I think a lot of people have looked around and said, oh goodness, if I need to make a trade in my current location, I can't afford to do that. And what I really need right now is perhaps I need my grandparents around the grandkids because it's it's a daycare, it's family support system, but it also is just that friendly face at the end of the day. And I think that people really have decided maybe I want to move back home. Maybe I want to move to a more affordable city where I grew up. And that's giving people a lot of flexibility to do so with their workplace flexibility that they have right now. Yeah. And I think that we're seeing that, you know, all over the U.S. But one question that I have is um, we've heard about, you know, the remote working policies, you know, companies realize that, okay, well, you know, people have, the technology allows people to work from home. And, you know, in the last 18 months ish or so, maybe even going, uh, moving forward for a little longer, you know, people have that flexibility that they can work from home without really, uh, uh, you know, uh, hampering their uh, productivity. But let me ask you this, of course, at the very beginning, there's no choice. You know, it's a lockdown situation at at the state level or at a national level. But, uh, you know, in, in the past few months or so, you know, are we still seeing you know, the remote working uh, uh, policy situations being probably going to be a more permanent uh, phenomenon. And is, and going forward, is that going to be a factor that affect people and, uh, you know, home buying or home selling? Yeah, I would say it will. And I think one of the reasons why I feel pretty confident is that is the Delta variant. I think okay. it really threw a wrench on into into CEO's plans, I think there was the expectation when we think about summer of 2021 that people thought, oh, I'll be going back to the office soon now that I'm vaccinated and my friends around me are vaccinated, my colleagues, I'll be able to go back in. And suddenly the Delta variant just really threw a wrench in that and CEOs had to start looking at, okay, well, we're probably home through the fall and maybe not going back to work until the first of the year or later. Um, 
now we have the great resignation of employees and they're saying, nope, right. I'm voting with my feet and I can get paid better elsewhere and I can have more flexibility um, at another workplace. And they're setting the rules and CEOs are going to have to adapt to that if they want to retain talent. And I think we're probably in the very beginning of this because we know that so many employers are really struggling. Anytime we go into a store or into a restaurant, uh, we know there's just a worker shortage, but that's happening in offices too. And I think as CEOs adapt to this, um, workers are really going to be able to control and that's going to allow them some more affordability in homes um, and where they go to to actually make purchases. Yeah, and I agree with you. You know, tell me about you know the uh, latest supply shortage because we are having, you know, we we are down a couple of people in our research team, and we're having trouble finding you know a candidate, qualified candidate. Of course, given it's the end of the year, um, we are you know usually November and December. Usually that's the holiday season, and people don't may not necessarily look for a job. But still, you know, we're having a, a tough time finding you know qualified candidates to fill those positions right now. Um, so. It is true then, then that, you know, the remote working policy is making it uh, a, little, a little bit more flexible for people to buy a home or sell a home. Now, uh, in the housing market, that means, you know, you might be actually seeing people uh, buying homes in places that didn't used to be uh, really popular. Like, for example, in, in the Southern California area, maybe, you know, you see more demand in Riverside and San Bernardino, a little bit more inland as compared to L.A. and, and Orange County. Uh, and we have been seeing some of those. And that actually affects home prices as well. Um, but at the same time, you know, while we're having a pandemic situation, you know, allowing people to work from home, um, we also have um, a demographic change, right? Um, demographic change, when I say demographic change, um, I think you have brought up at the uh, REI before that, you know, we have millennials moving into the prime age of becoming or forming a household or becoming a homeowner. So this is another force that allows people to allow, you know, the, 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 the younger people to actually, you know, uh, go into the housing market and, and, and try to buy a home. Um, how would that actually play out, you know, housing market, you know, um, in terms of um, their buying preferences? Because on one hand, you know, when people work from home, that means they need a bigger house. But at the same time, a millennial, you know, moving into a new house, that means they may or may not be able to afford a bigger house. Um, and how, how do you think uh, that is going to play out, you know, in the upcoming year? Yeah, it's an interesting conundrum, isn't it, to square away. Um, what we have been seeing, and this is even pre-pandemic, we uh -huh. have been seeing that young millennials, they're more likely to buy in small towns and the suburbs than they are in urban centers. And I think what has been happening is that with housing affordability, where it has been and increasingly getting worse, um, especially with the expectation that interest rates are going to go up next year, right? Um, we we are going to see continually that young millennials, that first-time home buyers, are going to be entering the market, but they're going to be doing so in the outer suburbs, in the burbs, where they can get more square footage, more bang for their buck, and that's what they're going to be looking to. That in itself is coupled with their other priority, and it's to be close to friends and family. And that's something that's really unique about young millennials who are entering the market. It has not been true for Gen Xers. It was not true mm -hmm. for younger boomers. When we look at their buying preferences, they are as likely young millennials to want to be close to friends and family as retirees are. 
And that's something that's so important to them when they choose their neighborhood choice um, that I think is really worth underscoring is essentially, where is my family? Where is my support system? And it's very possible that they're moving out of their family member's home. So they're used to having them there. They want to walk over in the evening and hang out. But it's also very possible that mom and dad are contributing financially to that housing transaction. About a quarter of them are for first-time home buyers. And with that down payment help could be, well, I want junior next to me. I want him in my neighborhood. So I don't know who's making that, that decision there and what that priority is, but it is certainly something that has shifted. And so I think there's going to be an attraction to outer areas that's going to continue. And, and you know, this, this continuation, obviously, you know, it's a good thing for for you know the housing market we're going to see more demand uh, but at the same time you mentioned a couple of things you mentioned about the um, prices uh, staying high and part of the reason for high prices staying high is because of supply issue we all know we have supply issue not only in state in the state of california but also uh, you know at, at the national level as well and supply issue there are a couple of reasons of course uh, we're not building enough for one but then also people holding on to their property a little longer now, under the current market situation, you know, with home prices rising, you know, so fast in the last couple of years or so, you would expect more sellers to put their house up in the market. Is that what you're seeing, you know, based on the research that you've done in, uh, you know, with, uh, with a consumer survey? Yeah, so that's an interesting one um, is tenure and home. And that I, I want to dig into a couple of things here um, that really are contributing factors here. Okay. Um, Tenure in home has risen to an all-time high of 10 years in recent years. So following the Great Recession, people stayed in their home for a longer period of time. They were underwater. They, they couldn't sell their home for mm-hmm. what they needed to, uh, to really get out of that. And we also know that affordability played a contributing factor. Also, if people are buying a bigger home, they don't really have a need to actually upsize. So they're essentially skipping their starter home for first-time home buyers. All of those are contributing factors. In this last iteration of the report, though, tenure in home did drop to eight years. It's the biggest one-year drop that we've actually seen in the data. It's heading back to a historic norm. Historically, it's been that people move every six to seven years. Um, But traditionally, people move because something in their life has changed. Maybe they had a baby or they got married. Um, but we know that birth rates are dropping and marriage rates are dropping. So those things are, wouldn't be contributing factors. Um, so we did see that tenure in home has changed. And I think that we can all say, well, the pandemic is something in everyone's <laughs> life that really did change it last year. So it's probably an impetus to move. The other thing that I want to dig into is one of the things that you, you hinted at there too, is just the, the age of the repeat buyer has gone up astronomically. And so back in the 1980s, when we first started doing this report, the median age of a repeat buyer in the market was 36. And today it's 56. Wow. Yeah. And that's going to contribute to some of that inventory shortage too, because what we have seen traditionally is for someone who's looking forward to retirement is they kind of stay, they don't really move. And if they do move, it's later on in their life and they're moving into a nursing home. Right now we're seeing people making housing trades well into retirement age. They may be retired and enjoying life right now. And they're saying, let me take on a mortgage. And that's something that's very, very different. And people are living longer. They're feeling more active. Maybe they do have a consultant position or something along those lines, just not working full time. And so with that, that's going to contribute to the supply constraints that we see as well, because a first-time home buyer could very well be competing with this repeat buyer, and that vacation buyer out there, and that potentially investor, and so on and so on. So that's really going to really uh, crush supply in, in a different way as well. 
Now, the other thing that, and, and I think that's very well said, you know, we, we know that as for, um, when people get older, they don't necessarily move as often. They don't have the need to move as often. Now, the other issue uh, or concern that I have, um, and we may not necessarily know the, the answer to that is, I think part of the reason why the Great Recessions, uh, we, we at one point we had very, very tight supply. And then uh, because part of the reason is at that time, interest rate dropped down to a low level and there's something called a locked-in effect. That people locked in at low interest rates and if they were to move, they didn't know whether they would be able to find you know, an interest rate as low as you know, what they locked in at, at, the, at the very beginning. So with rates dropping down to three for three and a half or 3.2 percent whatever it is moving forward that means you know uh, chances are very likely the rates are going to move up uh, do you think that is going to be another factor that will constrain supply it absolutely is possible and it's very possible that that's one of the reasons that tenure and home did increase um, to that to that high level of 10 years it's very possible that the people who have refied over the last year they could have gotten as low as two and a quarter at some points during the last year that's an incredibly low rate um, I just I have a hard time seeing someone who locked in a rate around two percent saying oh I'm gonna move in the next couple of years I think you would really have to have a pressing impetus of oh yeah I really do have I've just had triplets and I have a one bedroom apartment. maybe something along those lines because I, I do think that that would be quite difficult and maybe at that point that person who has that one bedroom apartment condo holds on to it as a rental property so I, I do think it's difficult to see that scenario. Um, and that certainly is a contributing factor that really does rise that time, that tenure, that time in home. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it's, it's it reiterate the fact that, you know, the, obviously we can have uh, people put their house up on the market, but at the same time, we still need to build more. We still to continue to build mm -hmm. more and more home you know, in, the, in the upcoming years. Now, the other part, the other question that I have is, you know, we attribute, we talked about, okay, well, people getting older, that's why they stay at home a little longer. But at the same time, I also mentioned, or you mentioned that millennials are going into their prime age of home buying. So, and they typically stay a little bit shorter compared to older uh, homeowners, maybe three to four or five years. So does that also mean that, you know, if we have more millennial buyers, millennial homeowners, that the uh, median for uh, median home tenure could actually be lower, you know, because of that factor? Yeah. Okay. So, so many things there too. Your questions are really like 10 questions, Oscar. I love it. Um, okay. So let me dig into this. Um, the median age we see right now on a national scale of a first-time home buyer is 33. And what we know is that in the next few years, there is going to be a lot of people who are aging into 33. Between mm -hmm. the ages of 26 and 32, we have the biggest population in the U.S. And so for mm -hmm. the next several years, we're going to see a lot of household formation. It could be renters at first, as mm -hmm. those young adults need to save and perhaps move out of their parents' home at 26, but they will be aging into the age of a first-time home buyer, which is about 33. The other thing that's important here to note is coming out of the Great Recession, the expected tenure at home essentially doubled. So a first-time home buyer used to look at their first property and say, I plan on living there for five years. That's a quick starter home. You're going to live there. You're going to build your equity. But you do expect that you may have a baby or you may get married, and that's going to be a quick turn into a next bigger property. And perhaps it's out of a city center and into the burbs, something along those lines. What we have seen pretty drastically following the Great Recession is tenure in home is essentially the expected tenure in home for first-time home buyers is now 10 years. 
they actually right. plan on holding onto that property for a decade. Now I will say expect a tenure in home always longer than actual tenure in home. You probably do have something in your life, a new job or something that's going to force you to, to move. But one of the things that I think should be noted is that um, the great recession people, it changed their mindset. And it's really a hangover effect from that. They're not thinking of their home as a quick equity boom that I'm going to move. They're really thinking of their home as this is my home. This is my roof over their head. This is my primary residence. Yes, I'm going to earn equity. Yes, I'm going to make money on this property. It's a wealth building tool, but it's not the very quick trade that people had thought of in the past. Yeah, and, and I, I can see that, of course, during that great recession period uh, or right before then, there were a lot of flipping. There were a lot of people. Well, I mean, flipping is a big part of it back then. And of course, uh, we still have a lot of people, you know, using the property as rental property. I know in the last maybe year, year and a half or so because of the uh, eviction moratorium, because of the mortgage moratorium, you know, some people may be a little concerned about, you know, buying a property. Uh, but we started seeing, at least at the national level, you know, some investors coming back. Um, so it's, it's going to be interesting um, to see how the, it plays out, you know, in the upcoming year or so, especially with uh, rates being very, still very, very low. Um, now, um, let's let's hone in a little bit more on um, the consumers and the household composition, because um, we know that okay, there will be more first-time buyers. There will be more, you know, younger people, you know, buying houses. Um, are we seeing, you know, the uh, profile of these uh, buyers being the same as before? Um, typically, you know, there are a lot of married couple buying homes. Um, are we going to see a similar picture uh, uh, once uh, when we start moving forward um, uh, after the, the pandemic situation? Yeah, so it is interesting. The profile of your, your first-time home buyer out there, it's a little different than what we have seen in the past. So it is a little older. Uh, for the last three years, the typical first-time home buyer has been 33 years old. Um, historically, we've seen it between 28 and 32, so it's just slightly older. And student loan debt is one of those things that's a contributing mm. factor that does hold back the ability to save, but also just the rising home prices. It's difficult to save for a down payment when home prices are rising at double digit paces year right. over year. That's, that's really hard. It's essentially moving the goalpost. Um, what we do also see is that first-time home buyers today, they're relying on mom and dad's help. So many of them are moving directly from their family members' home into home ownership. About a fifth of first-time home buyers um, what we see today is more than a quarter of first-time home buyers do have mom and dad's help through a gift or a loan for down payment. That's higher than what we have seen historically. Um, so both of those factors are higher. The other thing that is different for first-time home buyers today is there's a drop in the share who are married. It's just about half really? of first-time home buyers who are married and historically has been considerably higher. But there's a rise in single females, a rise in unmarried couples, um, and a rise even in roommates who are pooling funds together and saying, hey, we've been renting together for years. Why don't we go buy a house? Um, so those are some big changes. And some of that is due to a drop in marriage rates in the country. So there's fewer people getting married. So there's just fewer people who are buying homes together who are married overall. Um, and then certainly seeing that for first-time home buyers. And do you think that's a short term? Now, of course, this is a survey, you know, based on some survey results. Do you think those are uh, short term um, uh, phenomenon that we're seeing just because of the pandemic? Do you think 
thank you in the, uh, you know, in 2022 and 2023, because after all, I mean, I don't think prices are going to come down very, very soon. So that may play a role. Yeah. Um, as far as roommates go, I would say that people will be pooling their funds for probably this foreseeable future. And the reason why I say that is that marriage rates have continued to drop. So when we look mm -hmm. back at the 1960s, 70% of people were married and today it's just half. And so that's a very continual steady drop for all races really has been dropping. And so um, if we look at just the population, we're going to have more singles in the market, but we're going to see people entering creatively. So maybe that's a multi-generational buyer who's saying, I'm going to buy with my grandpa and grandma and go mm -hmm. and buy a home together. Um, maybe there's some caregiving that goes into that relationship as well. Um, but we may also see that there's roommates purchasing homes and unmarried couples, you may say, you know, I'm not ready for marriage, but I do want to get some wealth gains here and maybe we'll get married down the line in our backyard. I'm not sure, but I, I do think that we'll likely to see um, different profiles of people entering homeownership. Mm. And, and of course, one thing that is probably not going to go away, and you mentioned it before, is student loan. Um, I mean, there's there might be some government policies uh, and, and lowering student loan debt and things like that, but, you know, uh, I do see that, you know, uh, as far as getting an education, people are still going to college, they're still racking up, you know, some debt. And so that is probably going to continue to be a factor and affecting people's uh, down payment or so. Um, it's hard to think that, you know, all the debt will be wiped away, you know, just like that. But of course, it could be lower. I think uh, there's a, there's one, that's one of the reasons why people have to be roommates. Um, and I've even heard from a news um, or from some news clip about not only younger people being roommates, older people are being roommates as well, right? Yeah, actually, it's more common among um, older, the older generations who are roommates. So maybe that's an older boomer or even the silent generation. And it's essentially like the golden girls phenomenon. It's, it's <laughs> two women or two men who are saying, you know, I'm single now, maybe I'm widowed or divorced. And they're saying, yeah, let's, let's have companionship in later age and we can pool our funds and we can kind of live independent lives as roommates, but at least we have that companionship when we want it. Um, I think it's pretty creative and I, I, I think it's a great idea if they can make it work. And for someone who's a retiree, they, they're not the whim of, oh, now I have a job across the country. That's not a concern moving forward. Um, so yeah, if they can do it, it's a great idea. <laughs> Well, especially with, you know, home prices rising um, in, in every parts of the country, I think, uh, you know, in order for people to continue to build wealth, um, that's not a bad idea at all. Um, now, um, so, you know, we've talked about consumer behaviors, you know, the how, you know, the, the buying preferences and uh, the demographic profile. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, their behavior in terms of home searching or, you know, how they actually go about buying a home. Because that has direct effect on, uh, you know, uh, realtors building relationship with them. So how did it change, you know, over the last 12 months, 18 months or so? And do you think those changes will last? Yeah, that's an interesting, it has changed. Um, and it, a lot of it has gone online. So people are being very strategic. There's very few homes in price buckets for people to actually view. Um, so we are seeing the number of homes that are viewed has declined, but people are being strategic before they go out and they get in their car and they go and they drive around to view homes. They're eliminating stuff online. And they're saying, oh, I know this place already has red flags. I don't wanna waste my time. 
I'll have to put in an offer today. So let me be very smart about the homes that I'm going to view today and really narrow that down. And they're doing so with a realtor in hand and, and saying, okay, let's look at this and critically look at the pictures, the videos, the floor plan um, before we even waste our time. Um, and we also know the number of weeks that people are searching has declined as well. And that probably is due to inventory, but just the fast moving of the market as well. Hmm. What about the seller side? Um, do you see any difference uh, on the seller side uh, in terms of home selling? Uh, anything that we should be aware of? Yeah, absolutely. So sellers in last year, incredibly happy. And the reason why is they're selling their home in a week. That's the typical time. Um, it is a very fast moving market. And that's actually the lowest time that we've ever recorded um, the time on market. So that's pretty incredible. And they're typically receiving their full asking price. A third of sellers are receiving more than their asking price. So we know the bidding wars are out there. Um, that's making it complicated, of course, for, for people in that scenario, um, to really get into that home, but it's great news for sellers who may have been in their home for a longer period of time than they expected to, um, and are ready to make that move. Um, the other thing that we know for sellers is they are using all the technology tools that are out there to showcase their home, um, to really highlight that through videos, virtual tours, making sure that it is on all the websites that they can list it on where buyers are really having their traffic. So um, the realtors out there are doing a great job and they quickly pivoted to make sure that they can showcase all their listings and technology is really being used in the transaction today. Very good. And, 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 you know, we have talked about, you know, sellers, you know, in a market like this, of course, they can sell very, very fast. Uh, but you just you just noted, you just mentioned, you know, that they still, you know, need to rely on realtors. Uh, because yes, it's a it's a competitive environment, you have to, you know, negotiate with buyers. Um, and we've noticed, of course, in the last couple months or last year or so, um, at the very beginning, iBuyers was, there was a presence for iBuyers, but then of course, in the last, uh, I mean, I should say in the, during the pandemic, iBuyers might've pulled out a little bit, but in the last year or so, they came back. And so um, do you think, um, based on the research that you've done, that is iBuyers going to be, uh, continue to be a presence uh, for the real estate industry? I mean, I know it's making a very small percentage right now in terms of total sales. What's your take on that? Yeah, so it, it's very interesting. When we look at the data, for the last two years, we have collected data on iBuyers. Um, if a seller sold with an iBuyer service, if they sold via FISBO, did they use an iBuyer to try and price out what they could get? We just don't find that it's a service that's being used, either to actually see what price they could get or even to go forward. And it's less than 1%. It's essentially a statistical zero um, in the data of people who are going on to make another purchase who are using an iBuyer service. That's just not happening. Even FISBOs for sale by owner is at a historic low of 7% this year. That's the lowest we've recorded since 1981. So wow. they're really today, sellers really do want the reliance of an agent to price their home competitively. They don't want to leave money on the table and they, they really do want to get full dollar amount and they want someone who's going to market to potential clients. So we're seeing that 90% of sellers today are using an agent in their process to sell their home. Yeah, that's, that's great. That's good news for, you know, uh, realtors. And, and I know for us, for us in California, uh, we don't have too many uh, pockets or too many areas where uh, I buyers target. I mean, of course, I think we have three counties, uh, San Diego, well, um, Riverside, San Bernardino, Sacramento, and part of San Diego. Uh, that people that iBars focus on, 
but I, 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 I see the same point too, because um, it's very, it's very tough to operate in a, you know, a market situation where, you know, things actually go off the shelf within a day or a couple of days or so. And uh, buyers and sellers both need help from, you know, an agent, uh, realtors. And um, so, you know, after seeing all those statistics, after seeing all those um, changes during the pandemic, uh, what are some of the changes that you think uh, realtors need to do uh, to adapt to this, you know, quote unquote, new normal? Yeah, um, I would say, you know, there's a couple of things. One, uh, keep your eye on first time home buyers moving forward. Mm -hmm. uh, there's probably going to be more of them. We saw an uptick this year already at 34%. And I think that's just a numbers game. It's the sheer number of young adults who are coming into the market. Um, I think the other thing to do is make sure that you keep your pulse on technology. Sellers are going to want to use it to really market their home and buyers are going to use it. So there's no reason not to keep a pulse on technology. Um, the other thing I would do is just be aware that there is a changing composition of buyers. You're going to see more unmarried couples. You're going to see more roommates moving forward, maybe even more multi-generational homes because people are changing who they're living with and their priorities have changed in the last year. And that's just, it's the pandemic has changed everything and what we do think is important and who we want around us. So I think all of those changes are likely going to happen and moving forward. Yeah, I agree with you. Of course, uh, we still have to wait and see, you know, how things pan out uh, in the next year or next few months or so, because, um, of course, everyone thought uh, a year ago that will be the pandemic should be over by now. But, you know, we still have <laughs> we're still not exactly out of the woods yet. Um, so there's a lot of things and uh, that uh, I want to talk to you more about. But unfortunately, I know, you know, we are running a little bit out of time. Um, so Thank you again, Jessica, for coming and sharing your information and sharing all those consumer information with me. Um, if you don't mind repeating and telling me again, telling us again, where they can, where members may be able to find the NAR report, um, I think they, they do want to dig into a little bit more and uh, find more detail from the report. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so check out NAR.Realtor. You can either grab it from the research and statistics section, or you can grab it from the realtor store. And it's the profile of homebuyers and sellers. Perfect. Um, again, thank you very much. I really appreciate you coming on and, and, and sharing your insight with us. Um, and I will, I will definitely touch base with you again, you know, next year when we have more, when we have another uh, year of info to see if there's any change from the pandemic I mean, hopefully by then we should be out of the pandemic uh, and back to, you know, again, uh, normal next year. Uh, but I definitely want to uh, invite you back uh, next year to uh, maybe talk to us a little bit more about this particular research about home, uh, home buyers, uh, seller's profile, maybe some other uh, studies as well. I know you have a lot of studies that you can share with us. Thank you so much, Oscar. This was a great conversation and I would love to be back next year. Thank you again. And uh, for everyone who's out there, um, definitely take a look at, you know, the NAR report. And uh, again, have, if you have not had a chance to look at the uh, econ panel, definitely watch it. Uh, we still have it on our website. I think until the end of the year, uh, we will, you will see a lot of great insights from Jessica, uh, from the other panelists as well. Uh, but um we will definitely uh, have those uh, available until the end of the year. And the podcast, of course, uh, please definitely share that with uh, anyone you know in the real, uh, realtor community, as well as you know your buyers and sellers, because uh, these are some very, very valuable information that you want to uh, keep in mind. And these are trends that 
you know, can go on in the upcoming years. So thank you again, Jessica. And thank you everyone for listening. And uh, we will have another episode, you know, out another you know, couple of weeks from now. But uh, until then, uh, stay safe, uh, stay uh, informed, and uh, we'll talk to you again in a few weeks. Thank you, Jessica. Thank and you. Bye,